Jack, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Good, man. Can't complain. Florida's beautiful. How about yourself? Doing good, man. This is like the perfect time of the year in Arizona as well. The weather's great. It's it's not going to be good for long, but I'm trying to enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> yeah, it rains a little bit here, but it's sunny most of the time, so I'm definitely not mad. Right on, man. Well, hey, thanks for, for hopping on the show. I appreciate it. Always good to see you. Um, I was just going through your channel, man, and I didn't realize this. I knew that you were an OG. I know that we've both been doing YouTube for a long time, but I did not realize that you started your channel in 2007. That is crazy. That is Yeah, 13 insane. years later. <laughs> yeah, man. How old were you when you started your channel? I was 12, actually. Holy shit. That's crazy. So yeah, 12 years I old. Was <laughs> Like what, what inspired you to start YouTube? Like, did you have the intention of like trying to make a, a career out of it? Or were you just like dicking around having fun with your friends? No. So, uh, we didn't make any money off YouTube for the first five years. Cause we didn't know that you could, because <laughs> I was like obsessed with e-bombs world, like funny or die, funny yeah. junk, all like break.com. All uh, mostly e-bombs world, but I just saw people uploading mostly videos of them getting hurt doing stunts or just something crazy happening. It seemed like uh, as soon as cameras were around, you know, like videos started going viral and people started sharing stuff. I actually, uh, I got emailed Numa Numa guy the first time I ever saw it because that's like, I don't know, people would attach stuff to their emails and that's how stuff went viral. It seemed like was via email or like AOL instant messenger and uh, filmed my brother get hit in the nuts when I was 12 and I thought it was really funny. And my friend told me to, put it on YouTube. And from that point out, anytime I filmed anything that I thought was entertaining enough for other people to like, I would just throw it on the internet. That's crazy, so, dude. Isn't it insane? Like watching the evolution, uh, evolution of YouTube and how things have changed. Like I remember the days back when like, just by liking someone else's video, their video could go viral and yeah. like the whole format of everything. Like that's how I think I started getting uh, any traction in the beginning is DJ Senate from Public Prank uh, yeah. liked one of my videos. I'm like, holy shit, like, you know, I've got a, a thousand views, 2000 views, 10,000 views, all because someone liked my video. You could get like a million views by a popular YouTube liking your video. And uh, that is obviously not around anymore. But um, <laughs> yeah, even a million views didn't really exist back then. Yeah, it seriously. Like, it's like crazy. getting like 10,000 back then is like, the equivalent of getting a million now, it feels Seriously. like. Because I'll, I'll stumble across stuff in my time hop where it's like, our video got 10,000 views in the first four days. There's no way, like, just freaking out over something like that. And then, you know, I always looked at it from the perspective of uh, when I first started, like, I was excited about 100 views, and then you're excited about 1,000, and then 10,000, and 100,000. I was like, all right, well, I used to be excited about 1,000, and now I'm at 10 times that. So if I just do that again, then I'll be at 100K and then eventually a million. And I don't know, like it was crazy watching us go from being so, so insanely excited about 10,000 subscribers. It's like there's 10,000 people out there that want to see us do something. Yeah. And like it felt so crazy at the time. And now it seems like everybody's just like completely lost in the game of numbers. But you have to consider that there's still like so many people out there you actually like paying attention to what you're doing even if you're only getting a couple thousand views like you have a party with a couple thousand people it's gonna be the best party you've ever had you know? <laughs> seriously man so you started youtube when you were when you were 12 years old um and it's funny you were talking about like you know when when people first started getting video cameras because uh, that was like a thing, you know, now everyone has cameras on their phones, but I remember I was about 12 when I started filming a lot of my stuff. I didn't start 
uh, my channel till much later, but uh, I remember like first getting a video camera and having like the power to be able to fill th uh, film things. Like people didn't have that back then. Uh, so what was it like starting from when you were 12, the, the road to a million subscribers? How long did that take you? Um, I think it was, I can check. Yeah, I should probably check to make sure that <laughs> my numbers are correct. I would imagine it took a while because a million it subscribers was is low. so hard to get back then. Like nobody had a million subscribers. Slow. No, no. When I started, I don't, I don't think anybody even had 100,000 subscribers when I was first on YouTube. That's I mean, insane. they might have, but it was... Uh, yeah, unless you're like Jenna Marbles. Yeah, no. Yeah, and I remember watching Jenna Marbles way back in the day too. All right, here we go. Isn't it crazy? You can just look at the timeline of things too. Like the power yeah. of like being able to track that on here is insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It seemed like uh 2014 is where we started getting some traffic. I think uh, in 2014 was the first time that we ever got like a thousand subscribers Holy in shit. a day. Okay. In a day. So I think, um, yeah, it took over five years to get 10,000 subscribers. And then we went from 10,000 to 100,000 from 2014 to 2015. And then uh, a year after that, from 2015 to 2016, we hit a million. Okay. So it took five years to get our first 10,000. And then two years after we hit 10,000, we hit a million. Okay. And you said it took you a while to start making money because you didn't know that you could do that. How did you figure that out? So like for me, I remember, well, I probably started actually making money in like 2012, but it was, it was nothing. Like I remember me and my friend buying champagne and popping bottles once we finally made a quarter. Like we yeah. were celebrating that. Like we made yeah. money on the internet. This is crazy. Yeah, we, you, we got checks back then yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, I remember I got my first check after like three years in the mail for like $143. And I was like, I fucking made it. Like this is I game over. It. So yeah. what, how did you figure out like that you could make money and what was the, that process like before getting your first check? So it was, um, it was my friend, Matt. He was a local YouTuber out of Clearwater. Funny me now. I think you probably met him. I'm not sure. Some, some YouTube event or something. Yeah, he joined in 2009, but he joined YouTube and started making videos with the intent of it like becoming his job. He was like one of the first people that was like, like this could be a business. Like I can make good enough videos and entertain people enough to where I think I can make a living off of doing this. And, um, he, I reached out to him like over and over again. You remember back when you could like leave comments on people's channels yeah, and you could actually yeah. directly message people through YouTube. Yeah, it was back then. And I would always uh, hit him up and ask him to film, ask him to film, ask him to film. I think I was just like probably an annoying kid that didn't have any like followers back then that was just like badgering him, uh -huh. you know, but eventually, you know, he, he hit me back and he said, Hey, let's go film a Slenderman prank on Clearwater oh, okay. Beach. I do remember this video. Yeah, and that was one of the first times that I ever um, filmed with him, and he explained to me, like, metadata and, um, like, how the descriptions, tags, titles, and thumbnail are all so important, and if you can, you know, figure out the uh, technical side of YouTube, then you can make your videos do that much better, and you can go back on old videos and add tags that are going to make them rank better, and it, like, became this whole 
like almost obsession. Like, all right, I'm going to go through all of my old videos and I'm going to mark down the ones that aren't getting views and the ones that I've changed. And I'm going to check back after I've changed some tags and see what videos are ranking better. And then maybe I can see overall what videos are ranking the best and what keywords what might be working there that'll work for other videos. And um, it, it was crazy. It was like a light switch. He explained all this stuff to me. And like two months later, my analytic like views go from like, you know, like his to like, you know, they start going up and seeing these random spikes on videos that weren't getting views before. But I mean, that Slenderman video, we did Invisible Rope before that. And that I, was my first video remember, to get a million. I remember yeah, seeing that, was my that first too. million views. Wow. That's <laughs> I don't crazy. I remember how long ago that was. Dude, but. it's funny you say that because it makes me, it takes me back to a time when like the back end, like you had so much power, like keywords and what you put in mm -hmm. the description and like all of this stuff. I think now like it doesn't really matter that much. I feel like YouTube has all the power now, but back then I feel like the creators had so much more power to do stuff like that but it's so oversaturated now and there's so much content out there. I feel like, I feel like almost helpless a little bit. I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but it's, it's different. There's really nothing. I don't know. It seems like, um, I feel like obviously I think thumbnail is probably the most important thing right, right now. I think absolutely putting a lot of time into having the best thumbnail that you can possibly have for that video is very important. I was wrong though. Slenderman prank was 2012. So, it took us, yeah, five years from okay. 2007 to 2012. That was our first, that's like when everything changed for us. That was our first video to get like 100,000 views like relatively quickly. The Invisible Rope one was like a slow climb for a really long time. But this video has 8 million views now. And I'm pretty sure this Slenderman prank is the reason that we went from 10,000 subscribers to 100,000 subscribers in that's a year. Crazy. That video like just blew up but um yeah I, I, in terms of just like analytics and stuff yeah like back then you could actually do something like within your videos to make it rank better yeah and i don't know what youtube's algorithm has to do with now but i, I think it has to do with a really high click-through rate and then i think they shuffle the videos that have the most retention. Yep, the retention is a big thing now yeah. as well. Retention, to me, it seems like everything. Because if I have videos with high retention rates, those are the ones getting views. Yep. If you can make a 20-minute video and get like 50% of people to watch half of it, you're going to rule amongst other videos that are similar to yours. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Were, were you but inspired? it's changed so much. Yeah, it has. Were you, were you inspired by Jackass at all? Because I kind of feel that almost when I'm watching your videos. Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, I started with the Dudesons. Okay. Like Classic. PKY. Yeah. And then um, I actually saw the Dudesons movie long before the Jackass movie came out. Really? Yeah. It was back when um, when Netflix delivered DVDs in your mailbox. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the Dudesons movie was on there and it looked awesome. And I, I had seen some of their stuff online before just through like a... Funnier, whether it was Funny or Die or E-Bombs World. I watched the Dudesons movie and I thought it was so awesome. And then I, uh, you know, Jackass comes out. I don't think I was, I, I wasn't allowed to watch Jackass when it came out. It took a while for me to get my hands on it. But <laughs> I mean, I think pretty much anyone who films pranks on YouTube 
was either directly or indirectly inspired by Jackass. I agree, man. For me, it all started. I saw Jackass when I was 12. I don't know how my parents let me watch it, but that that year I asked for a video camera for Christmas and started like filming, you know, pranks and stunts. Like I wanted to be a stunt man. Like I didn't even know about YouTube at the time. You know, I was driving my electric scooter off of like 10 foot rock walls and rolling down uh, like hills and, and barrels and shit like that. So it's, have you been a stunt man in a movie yet? No, dude, no, you definitely should probably do it. dude. Why not? <laughs> not a dude. After my injury, I'm so like hesitant to do stuff like yeah. after, you know, I've been in physical therapy now for, full year i'm like fuck this is horrible you said you yeah, had a, you had a bad months. uh injury recently too right yeah yeah it was shoulder it was my uh, labrum it was i dislocated my shoulder 30 or 40 times over the span of two years holy shit how do you do that oh man uh, the first time i slipped and fell out of a tree and i just rotated externally and it popped out and i was holding all of my weight with my arm that was out of socket and it just tore a bunch of stuff up and it, it got so bad to where I was sleeping and it would pop out of socket in my sleep and I'd wake up everyone in my house because I'd wake up screaming. And um, fuck, I tried to see the right people. I tried to just strengthen it without surgery and it just kept popping out and I'd got an MRI and they said that there's some serious damage that needs to be repaired or else I'm never going to be able to like use my shoulder properly again. And uh, the surgery was only supposed to take... 45 minutes and it was supposed to be a cup like uh, I think one bone anchor and three sutures and it ended up being four bone anchors and six sutures so it took like two hours and 45 minutes and they just once they got in there with the cameras to do the micro surgery they just realized it was way worse than oh, they thought it was so yeah uh, I couldn't I, I was in a sling for the first eight weeks and I could not move my arm from this position like this for eight weeks. I could like grab my hand and stretch my elbow, but I couldn't do anything with my shoulder. And it was like having the worst itch of my entire life. Oh, I just tough. never not being able to scratch it for months. So that sucked, but I can gladly say I feel so much better than I did before surgery. Yeah, Cause yeah. I was, do I was actually miserable. I was like losing it. I I couldn't surf. I couldn't do all the stuff I enjoyed, jump off stuff. Like, yeah, it was, it was awful. Did you get full mobility back? I, uh, I don't have full range of motion. Like if I go up against the wall and I put my arms like this, this arm sits off the wall and I can't like put it all the way against it, but I am still stretching a lot. And I don't know. I'm I'm really happy with it. Uh, there's yeah. some weird spots that feel weird, but I'm I'd say I'm at like 90%. Okay, that's solid. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping to get to one day with my elbow. It makes you realize like how grateful you are for your body and your health after going through something like that. Like for me, right when I uh, heard it, I was like, you know, I'll probably just have to get a cast. I'll be, you know, fine to be back, you know, in a few months with like nothing ever happened. Uh, and right before the surgery, the doctor tells me that like, you know, you'll only be able, you know, if you're lucky, you'll only get like 60% range of motion back at best. And I was like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? Cause uh, I guess elbows are really bad, especially cause it's a joint. Just like a shoulder is really, that's a, that's a really tough injury as well. So, uh, yeah, I was like, damn, I didn't realize it was that bad. So right now I'm, I'm probably at about eh, 60, 65% hoping to get up to like 80, 80, maybe 90. I've had two surgeries now though. So Oof. it's a process, man. It's definitely a process. 
Just um, find a really good PT, you know, yep. if you find the right person that's dealt with enough elbows, it's going to suck. But I'm so thankful for the guy that helped my shoulder. I mean, it was, it was excruciating pain every single appointment, you know? Yeah. It's like pushing through, they're sticking their fingers in all these like, yeah, dude. Points in their arms, say, all right, now move your arm forward. <laughs> I'm like, I literally can't. It hurts too much. Like you got to do it. But if you find the right guy and you do stretches every day, I, I can never emphasize enough that if anyone ever gets hurt do the physical therapy yep. do everything they say and do your research and you have to it's so important yeah i, I saw you've been dealing with some content strikes lately you, you recently had to take down all of the videos on your channel what happened with that so um youtube's automated system i don't know uh i have been getting strikes on videos from 2012 that no one watches anymore due to like like one was like harmful or dangerous content and then the other one was child safety because we were kids and because it was a fail compilation and we got hurt wow we weren't going out of our way to hurt ourselves but we got hurt and i think that is absurd because there are literally over a million other channels that upload the exact same type of content that don't and won't get taken down like all these fail uploaders, like every single fail uploader or yeah. fail compilation channel, Half of like kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's ridiculous. I've reached out multiple times. I've had my studio, my MCN reach out, and I still have a strike. So it just seems really? ridiculous. So I'm just, you know, I feel like YouTube is making me feel like my days are numbered. Like they, like I feel like they want people to feel lucky to be on the platform when it's really the other way around. And if it weren't for the people that have been making videos for 10 plus years and YouTube want, wouldn't be what it is. And if they start deplatforming some of their top creators, like they've been, it seems like they've been trying to do, then people are just going to leave. You know, people are just going to start making content elsewhere for their fans. And uh, it seems like it's like the inevitable almost at this point, because I know a lot of other creators that are getting strikes. Like I haven't been able to live stream on YouTube in over two years. Really? I have a full streaming setup behind me that I would love to use to talk to my audience on YouTube. And everybody's like, oh, just go to Twitch, just go to Twitch. But like I spent the last 13 years building up this YouTube channel that now has almost 6 million subscribers. And well, I'm just supposed to go and, Start live over? stream on another platform that I don't have a following on. Like, obviously I can convert people over or whatever, but it just seems crazy. Like I see people live stream on YouTube and do so well just because they're live streaming on their YouTube channel that already has millions of subscribers. It's like, that's where their fan base is. Right. So uh, it's just been, it's been a battle and I got two strikes and um, I talked to the Nelk boys who've been through this a couple of times and I talked to a couple other people and it seemed like my best bet to, make sure that my channel was safe was to privatize all of my videos so that people couldn't flag them. Uh, so I did that for, it was like 11 days I had to wait for the, the older strike to go away. So I was like, all right, I only have to take my content down for that long. That's not too bad. You know, it seems like it's, this is a good way to make sure that everything's safe. And that strike went away, went away. And I was talking with YouTube people who, people who I know that have direct contacts at YouTube that reached out on my behalf and they said that they were going to get it removed. And then the line went cold. Damn. 
and now I still have a strike on my channel. So it's just, it's just sucks. After, after making all your videos go private, did, did you notice like once you brought them back, did you notice the algorithm almost, did it bury you at all or did it almost come right back? It came right back. Really? Yeah. I was really, really worried about that too. Yeah. Like if I'm the videos were going to re-index wrong and you know, the videos that were getting viewed that have been up for years, weren't going to go back into the place that they were, you know? But, I mean, it was good. Nice. Which was really surprising. But you know, the thing that, that genuinely pisses me off is that YouTube has its community guidelines, right? Yeah. But they're so vague, and no one really knows, like, where the line is drawn when it comes to that sort of thing. Because it's like, you can go online, and you can watch MMA fights, and you can watch 15 people get knocked out cold in a row from getting punched in the face. But like, for some reason, me hurting myself on a trampoline is a video that is going to get taken down. And I put in the request for the manual review and it's like still gets taken down. And I don't know. I just think that they need to be more clear. Like, I understand, like, you know, bloodshed on YouTube is bad and like bullying is not accepted. And like, you can't be racist and you can't target people. And but. Right, that all makes sense. Like, hurting yeah, yourself that all on, a, makes on sense. a trampoline, uh, that, that's yeah. a little ridiculous. I just don't, I just wish I knew where the line was drawn because there's a video, one of my most viral videos is me belly flopping into mousetraps on a trampoline. And like, obviously I'm going out of my way to hurt myself there. <laughs> but like, I, I feel as though it's like a controlled environment and I would never do anything that would cause me serious injury. Like, obviously mousetraps is going to suck, but... I feel like that video is way worse than the videos that I've had taken down in the past. Like I'm calling myself out. I have way more dangerous and harmful content than, <laughs> than what's been taken off of my channel. So that's, that to me is scary. It's like, all right, if they can hold me back so much from something that I did in 2012 that no one watches anymore, that's not nearly as dangerous as some of the other stuff that I've done. then like, what does that what yeah. does that mean for the future of my channel? I have no idea. Yeah, that's that's definitely scary. Now now that you've been making content for 13 years, do you ever feel super burnt out on it? Oh, of course. I mean, I th I think inspiration comes in waves though. Totally. And uh something that I've talked to uh, with with some of my friends, you know, I live in Florida and like you don't we don't live in LA so it's everyone we hang out with isn't like a social media influencer or a celebrity at least i can in my case i assume that you have some friends that aren't you oh, know yeah. famous of course but what uh the conversation i was having with them is that we have to be self motivated you know we are our own bosses we don't have anyone telling us what to do we can slack off as much as we want we can work as hard as we want it's entirely up to us so I think, you know, obviously that's, that's a real blessing, but it's just, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to expect anyone to be motivated to make content all the time, you know? Right. But I, I like to feel like I'm a very motivated person. I feel very, very lucky to do what I do and very blessed to be able to just make YouTube videos, basically of me doing anything that I want at any given yeah, time. Exactly. What, but, uh, I think it's just, you know, life has ups and downs. And when, when you're feeling down or if someone dies or if something terrible happens, it's going to be hard for you to get on camera and be like, hey, today we're doing this, yeah. we're doing that. But 
I also, you know, I, I, I realized, I think everyone is fake as like faked a persona on YouTube, at least in terms of like not being in the best mindset and forcing yourself to film just because you want to give your fans what they want. But uh, I think over the last 13 years, I've really just learned that the audience is going to react better if you're being genuine, if you're genuinely inspired or motivated to make a video. And if you really think that it's good and if it's something you're proud of, your fans are going to like it. So I, I always, I just don't try to force it. I try to film whenever something fun's happening, still try to come up with as many good ideas as I can and uh, take my time. You know, I, I don't want to blast out 15 videos in a week or 15 videos in two weeks, even though I know that that's how I get the most views and that's how I'd make the most money. You have to, you have to enjoy what you're doing at the end of the day or else you're just going to, it's just going to feel like work too much. Do you, do you have a set work schedule or do you kind of just really hit it hard when you feel that creative wave coming in or, or do you like to set a schedule and stick to it? I think it's really important to hold yourself to a standard, you know, like I, I really have been trying my very best to upload every Wednesday. And I think that if I can't upload one video a week, then I'm kind of lazy and I'm slacking off. I most of the time I post more than one video a week, but I've been holding myself to Wednesday just because I think it is important to, to kind of push yourself to make sure that you do get work done. And if I can't find one day out of the week to get inspired to film something, then, you know, I need to, I have some quality of life issues that I have to deal with. Right. It's just like, but I don't know. Life, life is great. And I live somewhere that's beautiful. So it's not too hard to stay motivated or inspired. And right now I'm sitting on a ton of footage oh, that I haven't so nice. uploaded yet. That's so, so nice, man. Time to edit, you know? Um, so, one thing that I find very interesting is when I used to watch your videos, you filmed a lot of videos with your brother who is now <laughs> T few. Like that's crazy that you guys are from the same household and you're both so like famous and successful on YouTube. Like how did that happen? Cause for the longest he, he was, he was a big part of your channel and then he kind of started doing his own thing. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Cause I, I, you know, I'm not a huge into the gamer world. Like I follow you over, over T few, but obviously with his success, I've seen his name everywhere and I'm always like, Oh damn, that's Jack's brother. I'm like, that's, that's weird. So like, tell me about like how, how that was. So, uh, it was, it, it was really cool because it was really organic, you know, uh, Turner would film with us all the time. He was, he was like, he was next to me on pretty much everything that we did. Any, any place that we would travel, any 24 hour challenge, he was always a huge part of everything. And, um, he just always gamed on the side. It was always something that he really enjoyed. And, um, it's crazy that like, it seems like he blew up so fast because he absolutely did. I think he was one of the, fastest channels to reach 10 million subscribers in history in my opinion i think he went from under 100k to over 10 million in less than two years and wow that it's like that doesn't happen you know it's like no not at all it's like ninja's done that turner's done that i i don't even know who else has done that but uh he's been grinding forever on video games and he's been a part of many teams and he's broke many world records and a whole bunch of other different games. So he, he was always like somebody, oh, there goes my light, <laughs> somebody to look out for in the gaming community because he, his skills were just so good. And um, 
he didn't really like he wasn't really a personality on the internet he was mainly just known for being really good at whatever game that he played he was like breaking world records in destiny and doing all sorts of crazy speed runs and uh he started taking youtube a little bit more serious and you know streaming started picking up in the gaming world so he got a streaming setup and he started you know basically filming his reaction to himself breaking world records in the games that he played and it seems like just like at the perfect time he started like really learning the ins and outs of setting up a stream on twitch and uh we would make videos like fortnite fortnite started blowing up and we would make videos and we did like fortnite in real life and uh the same week that we filmed that video, right when Fortnite started becoming popular, Turner got the solo kill record on Fortnite as well. Wow. And we uploaded that video with footage of him breaking the kill record. Like, hey, you guys know my brother, blah, blah, blah. He's actually killing it right now. If you enjoy this type of content, definitely check out his channel because he's going to start blowing up. And then like one le week after that, Turner runs into Ninja and kills Ninja. And Ninja knew exactly who Turner was because they had played in uh, H1Z1 together. So, uh, you know, Ninja's like, oh, you got me, man, blah, blah, blah. And then that clip started to go viral. And then like there was just this, I don't know why, all of the people – in all the comments everywhere wanted to know who was better turner tifu or ninja fortnite is the most popular game that mankind has ever created and with all these eyes like and all these people playing this game they all just started looking at turner and turner started winning so many tournaments he won like i don't even know how many fortnite fridays i don't even know how many world records he broke but he made it very clear that at least for the time period he was the best that there was on Fortnite, and it, it, at least in terms of statistics in terms of records he might have not been the best m mechanical player on the planet but his in-game iq is what separated him and he would always make decisions that would end up winning him some of the biggest tournaments and i don't know like him and cloaks he won the uh one half a million dollars at the uh, Twitch event. I don't know. They just never stopped winning. And then he just exploded. It was insane. We all just kind of sat back and cheered for him and celebrated. And every time he won an event, we would show up to his window and spray <laughs> champagne on him. And just, it was, it was really fun. It was crazy. And uh, it, it did all happen so fast. We, we knew that it was, we knew that it was inevitable because we had seen how many, records he had broken on pretty much every single game that he played but it was that's i don't know it's like everything fell into place and then like he gets hacked and then like his channel gets deleted by hackers and then like all this stuff starts going down with phase clan and like that kid has been through so much shit to get to where he is i, mean, I was only talking about the positive side of everything but that was such a journey for him to come out the other end like where he is now you know, like happy and successful and still making content. How, how, how did he get was, so good at video games? Was he up like all night playing playing games, or is it just like a natural thing? A natural. Well, ability? our parents didn't. We've never been to school a day in our lives. Myself, my brother, two brothers, and my sister. None of us ever went to school. 
Um, we were skimboarding, surfing our entire lives. We were just playing outside. We actually, Turner was not allowed to play video games until he was like 13. Really? Our so you guys were all homeschooled us. or? Yeah, yeah, we were all homeschooled. Wow. And uh, I don't know. They just forced us to play outside. They taught us what they thought was important. They thought there was a lot of stuff in the school system that was necessary for us to grow and us to learn. And when it came down to it, they kind of just, as long as we weren't getting in trouble, as long as we weren't doing drugs, they let us do whatever we wanted. They let us hang stuff on our walls. They let me, you know, buy cameras. They let me just do whatever we wanted. And it gave him a lot of free time to train his skills playing games. There was a time where he was inside playing games so much that we'd have to go, like me and my friends would like rip him off the computer and make him come like jump off the roof into the pool with us or do something crazy. Uh, but I don't know. It just like they, they gave us so much creative freedom that I think that he just knew that because he had the free time and because of like our upbringing and like we, we he, he turned pro skimboarding first and uh, he became one of the best downhill longboarders on the planet. And he became really, really good at skating too. And I don't know. It just seemed like everything he did, he was so fucking good at. So I think I didn't know any of that. That's once he started playing video games, he was just like, "All right, like if I can do ninety foot backflips off of bridges, and if I've won every skim contest that I've ever entered and went pro at sixteen years old, and then you know bombing down mountains going sixty miles an hour on a longboard, and then ripping up the skate park like it's nobody's business, he's just one of those people that is." above average at everything that he does. And for some reason, his reflexes and his ability to pre-plan just the most complicated patterns of steps and movements on these games. Like, I don't know, it was just better than he was just sharper than everybody else in that department. I'm his brother and I do not get that shit at all. That's fucking crazy. I can play video games, but his ability to pre-plan 700 steps and then a different variation of 700 steps when something doesn't, you know, work out the way that he initially planned to like that, that shit is completely beyond me, but He's the best at it, and I, I don't know, man. That, that's sick, that's man. why that's why he is who he is, is because he's just that good. I, I, know. I didn't know a lot of that. Uh, that's super cool. Uh, you you recently spent some time in jail, yeah? Yeah, that was my first time. <laughs> first time. How was it? It was great, dude. The cops were fans. They were really? super nice. Uh, I'm not gonna say it was great because we were like handcuffed for like six right, hours, right. you know. But <clears throat> the cops were super nice. They all thought it was really funny. A couple of them said that we made their day. And uh, did you catch just, charges? Uh, I, I caught a trespassing charge. I have to go back to court in June in Los Angeles. Probably just going to hopefully have a attorney appear for me. Yeah. But um, I don't know that whole mission. That was one of the, that was one of the craziest things I've ever done. The jail part was nothing. The failing at turning it into Hollyboob twice, six months prior to that. And then flying back out to try it again knowing that we might fail again and I might have wasted two trips to LA and all this time and all this effort and still maybe get arrested was very stressful, but I don't know. That was awesome. That was so worth it. Yeah. uh, (laughs) We did it. Somehow pulled it Julia Rose. How was that? Oh, I wish it was better. (laughs) 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 She's super sweet, but you know, 
She had a little boy toy. Not going to talk about him. Okay. Loser. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was like hitting on her the whole time because she's obviously extremely attractive, and I right. thought it was hilarious. But she uh, she was preoccupied, so yeah. We created a great real relationship as professionals. There you go. How uh, yeah. so? You, that was your first time going to jail. All the shit that you've done, I can't believe. That. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe it either. Nobody actually believes me when I say that was my first time going to jail. They're like, no, you've been arrested 10 times before that. And yeah, I've been putting handcuffs. different than going never, to jail. What about... I've never yeah, been taken to jail. That's kind of with me, same thing. How many times have you been arrested while filming and not ended up going to jail or getting any charges? Three other times. Okay. Yeah. yeah I've bad. been putting handcuffs a couple times. But, uh, yeah, never actually got taken into jail, which is nice. Got a a couple of tickets, like tickets for backflipping off of bridges. I actually got a filming without a permit charge in L.A. for filming a prank, and I couldn't film in L.A. for an entire year. Yeah, we filmed a golf course air horn prank, and the cops pulled guns out on us and freaked out and were like uh, over nothing. It was ridiculous. That's nuts. Um, I see you do a lot of shit with like, uh, obviously you're a big nature guy. You love, you know, nature, the ocean, you're always surfing or skimboarding. I see you do a lot of, uh, stuff with like shark teeth, which is very intriguing to me because that brings out the inner kid in me. I used to, uh, so my mom actually lives in Florida in the panhandle. Um, and we grew up going, uh, and vacationing in Destin, Florida. Like that was our spot. Um, so I always looked for shark tooths and I never found anything. So what's your secret? Like, how do you, how do you go about finding so many shark teeth? So the entire state of Florida used to be completely underwater. And, uh, that's the time period when the Megalodon was alive. So Florida, um, Venice, Florida, Casperson's beach is the shark tooth capital of the world. And it's because the fossil layer that is underground Due to the process of erosion in the ocean, the fossil layer has been washed out. So, like, you know, if you dig a giant hole, you'll see a bunch of layers in the, in the wall. So, eventually, anywhere in Florida, pretty much anywhere, if you dig down deep enough, you'll get to a layer in the ground that is full of shark's teeth. Really? Some layers so, are better than others. Are you talking about on the beach, in the ocean, or just on no, land? I anywhere. never hunt. I never hunted the beach. I honestly almost never hunted the beach because you only find teeth that are about this big. So we go to Florida is very flat and it's very swampy and it it can flood very easily because it's flat and because it's swampy. So when they build neighborhoods, not only do they need enough dirt to build the houses up, they need a certain amount of lakes according to how much pavement they lay so that the pavement – can drain into the lakes. So when they dig these lakes, most of the time they dig down deep enough to where they hit the fossil layer. So they'll pile up all these dirt piles and after a big rain, it washes away all the sand and all the dirt off the piles and it just leaves the big stuff and the teeth. And uh, we'll just go walk around construction sites after it rains or we have a couple buddies that are digging some lakes close by where we live and they'll let us climb down into the bottom. We'll bring some gas-powered uh, pumps, and we'll pump water into the layer in the bottom of the lake. Like, the lake's drained, and the layer's up on the wall. And we'll pump out all the dirt and all the sand and all the sediment, and it leaves the teeth. No so way. That's crazy. I had no idea about that. Yeah, we found a couple thousand megalodon teeth. Holy we found shit. mako's, snaggletooth, um, great whites. 
pretty much every single kind of fossil that you can find in Florida we found. And it started as a hobby, but now it's like an addiction. It's just like a never ending treasure hunt. And my entire house is completely full of shark's teeth. I got giant um, like vases full of them. I have 15 cases. I got like giant jewelry cases full of teeth and it's, it's a lot of fun. And we actually really would like to open a museum someday. We're trying to buy, 50 to 100 acres so that we can open a fossil farm so that people wow. can come and hunt for shark's teeth with us and we can teach people about them. That's cool. I like uh, there, that there's idea. There's actually, there's nowhere in the state of Florida that you can pay to go excavate shark's teeth. Really? And the entire state of Florida is covered in megalodon teeth. So we would love, like, that's one of our biggest goals right now is to buy land and open up a f- fossil farm and let people come out and hunt and actually find these giant megalodon teeth that are so abundant in florida that's a sick idea that's super smart i I, I dig that what so do you sell any of them right now are you just like stacking them up um to try to use them for this idea of yours like what i give a lot away um i really enjoy it i have some teeth that are worth like six to eight thousand dollars just single teeth you know, I probably have no easily way. over a hundred thousand dollars worth of teeth in my house, but no way. I That's really nuts. Yeah, I would like to rebuild a megalodon jaw. So I personally have found probably like three hundred plus, four hundred, maybe more megalodon teeth, and um, each teeth that you find, according to its shape, fits somewhere in the shark's mouth. So I would like to, you know, use the power of somebody who's good with dentition i mean i I could do it myself but there's other people who are obviously better to uh create a megalodon jaw and to put it in a museum somewhere how much is one megalodon tooth worth like on average one tooth can be worth 10 bucks on average say 100 bucks average at least but the thing about florida is Florida has the highest quality, most sought after shark's teeth on the entire planet. You cannot go anywhere in the world and find better quality, more well-preserved shark's teeth than you find in Florida. And another thing about Florida is there's so many different layers that hold shark's teeth. And um, Florida is actually the like fertilizer capital of the world as well. All of the phosphate fertilizer that we use to feed all the crops across the entire United States and part of the world comes from Florida. And that phosphorus layer in the ground stains the teeth blue and gold. And they're just insanely beautiful. But there's the thing is with Florida is you'll get every color in the rainbow of shark's teeth. And most other places only have very limited colors. So people freak out over the teeth here and people pay a lot of money and people travel from all over the world just to come here to find teeth. But there's nowhere that you can actually like do it in a sanctioned way without just sneaking onto somebody's property. So you found a hundred thousand dollars worth of teeth. How long, like, would you say that took you? Like say, say if you compiled it into like, you know, a nine to five, 40 hour work week, like how, how many months would you say it took you to get that, that value amount of teeth? Probably like, probably like six months. Shit. So you're saying if been you doing did this, this like, for a full year, you could be making 50 to 200 grand a year, potentially more. Easily. Holy you shit. You just have to have the land to do it on and the know-how, you know? Right. Because like, you could go buy 50 acres 
and the teeth could be shit, you know, or you could buy 50 acres and it could be the best site that you've ever hunted. So like we'll hunt a dozens of different places and, you know, out of 40 places, we'll find like three or four that are just like world-class, you know, we'll find like probably I'd say half the sites that we check, we find teeth at least, but the heart of the thing that we're trying to figure out right now is, how can we buy the most land for the least amount of money that still has really high quality fossils on it? So checking one location for these fossils, how long does it take to know, okay, this is a good or a bad spot? Just a day. If we get a tractor out there, we can dig a hill or we can dig a hole and pile it all up on a hill and check the remnants. And I, you know, we've hunted enough. I've like, what's really cool about this too is, uh, this world connected us to so many different types of people in Florida. Like one of my closest friends is this 55 year old crazy as hell redneck dude that I met through YouTube because I was looking up YouTube videos on finding shark's teeth in Florida. And I commented on his video and I was like, Hey man, this is so sick. I'd love to come out on a hunt with you sometime. And he replied to my comment with his phone number on his YouTube channel. <laughs> He's only got like a couple hundred subscribers, you know? That's fucking hilarious, dude. So I texted him and uh, we went out on a hunt once and man, I must've gone out with him 200 times since then. And wow. I don't know, he's a great guy, but he's been doing it for 25 years. And I don't know, I've met all these people that have been doing it for decades you know and they know so much and they've taught us so much and we just try to learn from them and having them on board to help us pick the right property and to help us excavate the right property to find the right material you know we put all these people's heads together that have been doing it for 10 20 times longer than i have it just it makes the whole process so much easier that's so sick man that i feel like that would be a fun job Dude, you gotta come out. I, I, I would went, love like, doing something like I that. I went two days ago and dug a giant hole at my buddy's farm because we were checking to see if there's shark's teeth out there. That is crazy, man. I never would have thought of that. That that's yeah. sick. Uh you recently dropped your merch. How how was that going? Or did you drop it or are you in the process of making it? No, I dropped it and uh I, I can check how it's going. I try not to look at that stuff. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I do because sometimes it can be very motivating, but it can also be discouraging. I, I know that from, it's doing really experience. well though, man. I mean, I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty do it's doing a great job at matching what we make on YouTube, which is wow, all, we really, huge. all we really wanted to do was match like our ad revenue on YouTube. And yeah, if you can I double that, that, that's, that's great. Oh, it's insane. Yeah. It's, it's great. But you merch was such a bitch i i did all my own distribution for six months like i hired employees i i I sourced the products we made the products ourselves or whether it was going to a printing shop or just like putting uh pressing the patches on the hats and the shirts and bags ourselves but just takes too much time away from making content and you know i think that making content should be just number one priority for any any content creator you know it's just trying to make sure that you keep getting out stuff so i spent a lot of time designing and creating and sourcing and you know i I I learned everything that i needed to learn and obviously you can make more money doing everything yourself but it just takes too much time away from what you're doing so i uh recently switched over to drop shipping through a company that was highly recommended by some of my peers in the uh, industry of, you know, merch and selling cl- like physical products. 
And uh, they just allowed me to have full creative control over the drop. I don't have to get any designs approved by anyone. I don't have to have anybody um, do anything. Like I, I built the whole entire store by myself. I had a ton of designs that I wanted to launch with the previous company that I worked with that like kind of just like limited my ability to get out items. They're like, all right, we can do like four items this month. Yeah. Yeah. And we I know can what you're talking like, about. Just like the front and then just one logo on the sleeve. And we can't do any full print stuff right now until after the holidays, blah, blah, blah. And then I get in with these guys and they're like, yeah, here's our catalog. Go put whatever you want, whenever you want on the website in as many different variations as colors as we have available. And now we have like 70 items on our shop. You Shit, know? That's awesome. Yeah. Man. Hell yeah, yeah. It's like full color shirts. We got backpacks and beanies and I, I'm just really happy because it's high quality stuff. We have full creative control over it. We can release as many items and as many different variations of shirts, hoodies, hats, and backpacks as we want. And it's great. You know, they, they obviously take a bigger percentage than what we would have made if we did it ourselves. But all I have to do is wear the stuff, say this is where you buy it, and then once it gets stale, redesign new stuff. And, you know, luckily over the last 10 years, I've become a master of Photoshop. So that's pretty oh, yeah, easy. That's a nice to quality to have in this industry. That's one thing I, I would love to work on. Um, I, funny story. I remember when we were at VidCon in like 2015 or 2016, you were giving me and Cody like shirts and hats and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, that's throw, throw way back. That though. was when I was making it myself, you know? Yeah. That's, that's funny, man. I remember we were like, we got like a whole gang of like all the pranksters and like, we like raided, like when YouTube had like only like the select hundred creators at this like mm -hmm. private party, we like raided it and we all got kicked out. That was so much fun. Yeah. We we're all just dancing around and singing through the hallways. Just a bunch of degenerates. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because I feel like back then we were like, I don't know. That was like the first time I was at an event where I felt like, I don't know. I just felt like. I was with a bunch of people that were like-minded that yeah. knew what kind of opportunity they had that were all really motivated and inspired and above all just having a bunch of fun because we were all there. We were all like, that was like another sense of like, all right, like we, I made it like yep. I'm with other people that are doing the same thing I am that believe in it as much as I do. So that was really cool. Yeah, man. It's crazy to watch, especially being on YouTube for so long, especially like in our niche of like that prank world. Like all the people that you see come and go and come and go. And then there's a few that really just stick with it and really, you know, end up making it to the top. And there's only a handful of those people. So it's kind of interesting, like watching somebody. Uh, I feel like a lot of people get a ton of hype around them in the beginning and kind of fizzle out. Like I'm not going to name anybody, obviously, but it, it's a super, super interesting ball game, And not many people can can make it last as long as you have. So congratulations on that. What, what would you say is your secret? to making it last so long true just have fun i feel like if you're enjoying what you're doing other people will enjoy what you're doing and just know that you know there's always more to learn there's always more entertaining ways to film something like what goes going back on what we were saying earlier i remember the first time i had a phone that was able to record video um so i guess what i'm saying is don't make any fucking excuses i can film 4k 60 frames on this iphone that has three lenses that can shoot wide 
you can do tight, you can do like 4X that still doesn't drop any quality. It's crazy the technology that we have nowadays. And I don't know, I just felt, feel like if I could do it back then, I've spent 13 years of my life trying to come up with the best ways to create more content. I don't know, I just, I, I could be in college, I could be working some shitty job, I could be doing a million other things than whatever I feel like doing at the time that motivates me, that inspires me. Like I get to, you know, go buy land and maybe open up a fossil farm and, you know, that, that might hinder my, my want to shoot pranks and stuff, but I don't know if I'm really enjoying that. I feel like other people are going to enjoy that. I feel like people are going to like that content. I feel like I'll actually be able to turn it into a business. I really want to start doing stand up comedy. Okay. I just think that anything that you potentially dreamed about as a kid or growing up, you can make happen using YouTube as like a stepping stone as like yeah. a first step. I feel know? that man. And not even just YouTube, like there's a million other outlets, especially today. So I, I like what you said, anything you dreamed about as a kid. Cause I think that's really important. Like when you're kids, that's when, you know, I feel like you're at a point in your life where you really, you find your passions and yeah. as, you, as you get older, I feel like a lot of those passions for, for most people kind of fade away. So, you know, kind of getting back to that mindset of when you were a kid, like what you wanted to do. I, I'm, I'm the same as you. I feel like, you know, you can turn anything that you're passionate about into your job. And I think more people should really, uh, you know, take the leap of faith and, and try to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, I listen to this philosopher, uh, like Alan Watts, and I've listened to a lot of like stuff that Jim Carrey talks about. And uh, he said to his dad, "You can fail at something that you, you don't, don't want like. to do. Yeah, yeah, so you might as well take a shot at doing something that you love. You know, that's one of my and favorite always, quotes, bro. Yeah, that's that always stuck with me. So I don't know, man. I I think that life is very short, and I think both of us experiencing our injuries made us realize that we're not like immortal." You know, that our days are numbered out here in terms of what we can do and what we can accomplish. So do what you can while you can, pretty much, you know. Absolutely. My last question for you is, did you ever have a plan B? Yeah, I had a lot of plan. I had a plan B, C, D, E, F. Like, I, I just I just felt like there was so much opportunity. Like, I always, I was obsessed with with whose line is it anyway when I was younger. Like, the, the show of all the stand-up comedians. And, uh... That surfing and skimboarding was always one of my passions. Um, I was never worried. I always wanted to get into acting. My mom taught drama and fine arts as a uh, drama teacher for most of my life. So I, I didn't like that at first. But as I got older, you know, I, I started really enjoying TV and really enjoying film and really enjoyed trying to pick apart what the process of actually creating these films and these TV shows and these movies were like anytime I see content that I can see consider better than the stuff that I've made. I'm always like, how did they do that? Like, yeah. what did they use? Everything through different. What lines. do they know that I don't know? So I don't know. I just always thought YouTube was, was, a, was a first step. And, you know, I actually was in my first movie. I filmed a stunt for the movie guest house and oh, sick. I've That's wanted cool. to be in movies my entire life. And I thought that was really cool. You know, like I kind of like checked that one off the list and I went and experienced that. And I think, you know, my biggest goal now, like just probably stand up comedy and try to get this fossil farm together. But those were always like, like stand up comedy and movies were always in the back of my head from the beginning. So 
YouTube was working at the time and I was totally on board with doing it until it didn't work anymore. And then when it stopped working, I'd just go on to one of the other things that I was passionate about. And I was never worried. The only thing that I was ever worried about was having to go to school, having to go to college. My dad really wanted me to go to college. And that felt like a nightmare to me having to go and do that. So I was like, I gotta do, I gotta figure something else out. And it was YouTube. And uh, I'm just going to ride that for a while. I don't know. It's, it's grown on my other platforms. And I just feel like even if the light switch turned off, my YouTube channel was deleted. There's still going to be a lot of people that are going to be interested in seeing what we do next. And I just don't think that there's ever really going to be an end to myself and my friends trying to create content, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Instagram, TikTok, our own website, our own platform, or a Netflix special. You know, I think that once you have created enough content and once you know enough about this industry, there's always going to be a place for you. I, I couldn't agree with that more. Where can the people find you? Juke Squad on the internet <laughs> or at your oh, mother's house. That's, no, uh, that's the last one I wanted to ask. The name, the name. Where does the name come from? Juke is a very derogatory term used in Florida that people really didn't like being called that when I was a kid. And I thought it was ridiculous. It means like, junkie or like drug addict or like somebody who steals just all around not a great word to be okay. called and people who were the description of that word hated that word so much so that they tried to show up to my house and fight me at one point like in <laughs> 2009 or 2011 or something i don't even know how long ago it was but we thought it was so ridiculous because you know, you have to have thick skin to be on YouTube. And I think anyone that's on YouTube knows that you're going to run into every single type of person across all walks of life. And you, you just got to have thick skin, you know? So we always believed that it didn't matter what anyone had to say about us. People were always hating on our pranks. People were always hating on what we did, calling us children, saying that we need to grow up, this and that. But you can't listen to any of that stuff. And, uh, so we just called ourselves ju the Juke Squad. We're like, if everybody so hates this word so much and thinks that it's so awful, like, that's us. That's who we are. Yeah. We're Jukes. We're the Juke Squad. Let's Come make find cool. us. We're on the internet. We'll be making videos. <laughs> and uh, it's stuck. And now it's a really positive thing. And I think that, you know, when if anybody says the word Juke, they're going to think of those kids that like jumping on trampolines and having a good time and not, you know, the – the small group of people that absolutely hate the word, you know? Hell yeah, man. Hey, appreciate you coming on the show, man. Dude, we got to link up soon, man. Yeah, we, we got to film long. something, bro. We got to get that Big Dosh Juke collab. I'm down, man. I'm going to start <laughs> brainstorming. Maybe we should bury a case with $5 million on the beach and stumble across it with a metal detector or something. You know? <laughs> or or uh, let everybody know which beach it's at and, and watch everyone running up and down the beach trying to find it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could do that too. Or we could build a shark fin and just scare everyone Dude, off of the beach. I was, I was watching that one this morning. I think that is incredible. I would, I've always wanted to do one like that. Yeah, man, you start with pranking your mom and then you prank your neighborhood and then you prank the state that you live in and then you just got to keep, you know, you got to keep, keep expanding. expanding. Yep. Hell yeah, bro. <laughs> hey, nice talking to you, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, I'm going to link all your shit up in the description so people can find you on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. And uh, have a great rest of your day, bro. You too, man. Subscribe to Big Doss or you're a loser. Thanks, Doss. <laughs> Peace, man. <laughs>